0: Welcome to EJB Talks, Rutgers Blaustein School Experts in Policy, Planning, and Health, where we talk with our faculty and staff experts, as well as students, about how the fields of public policy, urban planning, public health, health administration, and public and urban informatics affect your lives. Welcome to EJB Talks. I'm Stuart Shapiro, the Associate Dean of Faculty at the Blaustein School. And the purpose of this podcast is to talk with my colleagues and our alumni about policy, planning, and health, the interaction between these issues, and how they affect people in New Jersey, the United States, and the world. In keeping with the theme of the start of our season, we are talking with our new faculty. Today, I'm speaking with Professor Wenwen Zhang who is among our newest faculty members, having just started in September, and is part of our brand new public informatics program. Professor Zhang, welcome.
1: Oh, Thank you, Stuart. It's very nice to join you on this podcast.
0: Thanks. Um, let's start by talking a little bit about your research. Um, your recent interest has been in transportation planning and in automated vehicles in particular. how did you become interested in this?
1: Um, well, so my master education, I uh, try to uh, focus on the transportation concentration. And when you look at the history of transportation, you'll find that uh, the technology advancement in transportation tend to have a fundamental change on people's travel behavior. So when automobiles are first introduced, you see the huge urban sprawl and equity issues coming in, etc. And also studies tend to reveal that people are animals of habits. And once they get into one lifestyle, they tend to refuse to change unless there's major like life events happening. So when I was at the second year of my PhD um education, I came across this concept of autonomous vehicle in a conference and it hits me so hard that it, it seems like amazing to me. It's just the next opportunity for us as planners to introduce a more sustainable and equitable mobility system into the society, into our city with more proper um, policy interventions to guide through the process, etc. So I guess very amazed by this concept.
0: that's, that's great. I, I will say you know the sort of getting wedded into systems there. When I told my mother about the topic of the next podcast, she said, automated vehicles, I, I don't like that idea. I don't trust that. <laughs> um, and I think for many of us, you know, it still seems like science fiction. It's like the flying cars in the Jetsons. Um, where where do we think uh, automated vehicles will be adopted? And who do you think is going to be adopting them?
1: All right. Um, so if you look at it from the transportation system perspective, it seems like... Um, more the supply chain or the freight company is going to adopt it first. And maybe next is a long distance travel because those technology tends to work much better on the highways when the the traffic environment is simpler. Then eventually it's going to merge into the urban system. So Waymo just opened up their SAV system called Waymo 1, I think, to the general public in Arizona. So everybody has the chance to experience it now and from the people perspective I would say a lot of studies have shown which is consistent with your observation Stuart old people are suspicious towards the technology and young people tech CV and maybe well-educated people are more likely to accept the Technology, like who are the early adopter, but eventually, I think once it's merged into the society, more and more people will start to take advantage of it because it just release you from the uh, from the driving task.
0: Do you do you think there's going to be a an eventual outcome where almost all vehicles on the road are automated?
1: Well, it really depends on how. Our policies are de- designed, and how our infrastructure adapt to it or not. So, for the automated vehicle to properly operate on highways on urban system, we need a huge investment in those infrastructures, so that they can um, they can travel properly on this infrastructure. And when these technology are first introduced, we probably will see that. You know, uh, there will be dedicated lane for those automated vehicle, and then the question becomes, how many lanes do we provide to those vehicles? And there's equity questions going to kick in. Um, So it really depends how much resources we want and how much are we willing to invest in adopting the technology. But the big big tech companies are pushing it or lobbying it very hard. You can see that from the federal level, um, everybody is having like like a pro AV opinion there. And in Michigan, I think there is the first dedicated lane for automatic uh, autom- uh, automatic vehicles is already operating.
0: Oh, that's that's in, that's. Uh, I had no idea that that was already in place. Um, I, I I do think the transition period is going to be bumpy when you have drivers and automated vehicles sharing the same roads. I think that that could be right. a challenge.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. That's why they want the dedicated lane. And then here is our equitable questions.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I can see why Why do those automated vehicles get a, get get the better traffic lane there being right. a source of resentment, absolutely. Um, so you've used some new analytical techniques to try and figure out what this adoption is going to look like. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Uh, right. So um, in the context that I'm working in, I'm trying to understand who is likely to adopt this technology, at least using the current stated preference surveys etc and uh, so the goal is to predict as accurately as possible so that's why we're using machine learning algorithms to do the prediction and uh, when and when we come into the like big data thing like when we want to simulate the entire population then it comes with privacy concerns and also data concerns like um, how do we have a survey for the entire population that's going to cost us a lot and also probably not everyone wants to share their opinion um, because of privacy concerns. So then we kick in the population synthesizing method which try to recreate the entire population without actually knowing what everybody is thinking but controlling at uh, Aggregated level so that the synthesized agents or population is still representative um, to understand who at the neighborhood level is willing to adopt it or not.
0: Yeah, and I, I would guess stated preferences, you don't even know whether to trust people's answers. Right. They know whether or not how they feel about automated vehicles.
1: Right. That's one of the limitations of many of the current studies. But once the you have more AVs running in the on the road and people get to experience it in real, then we will get more realistic or robust answers for the question.
0: Yeah. So that, that leads me into the other topic I wanted to cover with you. Um, we've obviously at the Blaustein School sort of expanded into this area of informatics or big data as it's commonly known. Um, what other questions can these machine learning and other big data techniques uh, help us answer, either in transportation or in other planning and policy areas?
1: Um, right, it's actually very powerful, almost like all urban management. Different fields is adopting machine learning and big data um, to help them to manage the system better. So, for transportation, we have the big data to optimize our signals. For energy, we try to use machine learning to predict building um, energy consumption to optimize our, our uh, grid systems. And also for water, we try to understand which area is going to be flooded if given certain amount of rain, et cetera. So it has been shown it is very powerful um, in terms of help to improve the current urban management, especially the demand modeling part of it. But also we need to recognize that big data comes with its own um, limitation that is, um, so for example, we have privacy concerns and also we have machine learning model ethical concerns. Uh, that more and more people start to um, participate into the conversation and more and more we start to see we need more domain knowledge to um, guide the machine learning model building um, to start to see how this model can eventually be used to um, properly guide the scientific policy making process.
0: Yeah, and I sort of tying to some of the other things Blaustein does and to our conversation last week with Professor Buyan, um, the healthcare sector, I think also probably there are tremendous uses for these techniques, but also tremendous concerns.
1: Right, exactly. So especially for health, they have a huge amount of electric health record, but there also comes with a lot of privacy concerns because these are health data. Um, that's why some of the um, technique has been widely used is like the population synthesizing, try to replace the real record with synthesized data so that it can be easily more accessible by the researchers to conduct research rather than worry about where, whether they are violating you know, the privacy issues there.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that, that's a huge issue, and uh, Professor Bouyan also talked about cybersecurity as a significant issue. Um, there, um, let me let me turn a little bit to the to the salesman role here. You know, we have a new public informatics degree and masters in public informatics degree. What do you see as the uh, the primary goals uh, of a degree like that?
1: Um, from my perspective it's actually joining the domain knowledge with informatics skill sets so together we can equip our students to truly take advantage of the big data and the data science to support data driven policy making
0: so it could make a significant contribution to policy and planning in in the in the years and decades ahead
1: right um
0: so you're you're talking to a student or, you know, a student is talking to their parent and they're trying to convince them uh, that it's worth spending money on a public informatics degree. What's, what's the sales pitch there?
1: So um, I think one thing that um, is that students are living in the era of big data. So there is a higher and higher demand to equipped workers or desire like demand for the skill sets. Um, for workers to access data, manage data, pre-process data, and analyze data in a way that is meaningful for their domains. And uh, while there are people from computer science um, department who maybe can do all those things, but without the domain knowledge, um, then probably sometimes all the management and pre-processing process doesn't make much sense under certain like, policy-making environment. So actually, our the future trend, I think, is to combine the domain knowledge together with the, those more advanced data processing skill sets to um, help um, manage the urban systems better. So just to take one example, so for example, the access data. So we're now in the big data era. So traditionally, when we say access data, we're thinking about, hitting the downloading button and then boom, we have a CSV file or we have an Excel file, et cetera. But nowadays, um, a lot of companies not willing to just to provide their data in the CSV format. For one thing is that their data is so large, they do not have the human power to customize it for you to download as a manageable little file for your local area. So what they Currently try to offer is offer API, um, applicable or programming interface, um, to, um, to, uh, for the user to access data. But with like our traditional education doesn't even equip students with the knowledge to say, how do I access the data with API? And without this, you cannot even get to the data in the first place, let alone like analyzing the data or, um, provide um, policy implications out of it. So um, you see like there's a higher, higher demand to um, for the students to understand the latest technology. And also the other thing that I think maybe um, is very powerful for the um, people who work in the public or policy domain is the um, data inter- results interpretation to how to communicate it effectively to the general public how to communicate effectively with the policymakers are uh, also very important, but something doesn't offer in the data science field or does not offer in the public policy traditional um, education, so which is why our public informatics degree is unique. It equips you with the skill set to effectively communicate um, the data and its results. In a layman accessible way to help inform the policy making process.
0: Wonderful. Um, yeah, no, I do think it probably. Um There are plenty of organizations in the public and nonprofit sectors in particular that have desperate needs for students with the kind of skills you've just described, Um, and I I do think there's going to be a significant market for for those students. Um, Let me circle back with one final uh, question for you, Uh, back to your research. What what questions do you see yourself studying in the years ahead using these techniques?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I still want to continue my research in the transportation technologies to understand how what are the social implications of the coming of these technologies and how do we design policies to guide people to uh, adopt those technologies more sustainably, like the automated vehicle, like the e-scooter or ride hailing services. And from the other perspective, I'm also going to um, do more research in enhancing urban modeling and policy making using more equitable machine learning models, um, using both conventional and innovative data sets to inform the um, um, urban, uh, urban policy process. Um, so uh, for example, currently as uh, machine learning has been widely used in many research like urban modeling domains, But a few of it is actually asking the question whether we are building the model in an equitable way um, is uh, like something that is, I would say, uh, like overlooked. So I want to look more into that question uh, in the future.
0: Well, as you uh, as you get those papers out, make sure you let me know and we'll have you back on the podcast here.
1: (laughs) I will definitely. Updated you on this end. (laughs)
0: Thanks. Uh, A big thank you to Professor Zhang for, uh, for appearing today and to our production team, Amy Cobb and Karen Olson. We'll be back next week with another talk from one of our new faculty members at the Blaustein School. Until then, stay safe.